a series called Wealth with God. Oh, before I get to that, you guys need to be at the, um, I don't even remember what we're calling the, this Design Your Wealth Map. Map stands for Massive Action Plan, Building Wealth with God. I can't even remember what we're calling this seminar. It's the first Saturday in June. I believe that's, I'm sorry, first Saturday in July. That's July 7th. And uh, if you remember at the beginning of this series, I said there's one sentence to building wealth. It's uh, partner with God to earn more than you spend and invest the difference to multiply. And so we are going to be, so we're on part 10 today of this series, and we've just been focusing on partnering with God, okay? This seminar is going to focus on how do you earn more than you spend and how do you invest the difference to multiply. And so we're going to cover a lot of ground in that. It's uh, probably 90, 95% new material you've never heard me teach before. I put probably, I don't put a lot of time into this thing, so please come. Please come. I, I don't want you to hate yourself for not coming. I don't want to have to do the counseling for that. You will hate yourself if you don't come. Okay? Just mark your calendars. I've already had people saying we're taking the day off work to be there. You will not regret it. I promise. There will be, there will be something there for everybody. All right. Now we're ready. <laughs> All right. All right. Turn with me into your iPhones to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to talk to you today about the truth about sowing and reaping. The truth about sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to read verse 6, then I'm going to read verse 10 from the New Living Translation. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a group of people who are getting ready to give an offering. He's writing to givers. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, And then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Here we see the principle of sowing and reaping. It's throughout scripture. And in this case, he specifically applies it to money. If you don't like uh, sowing and reaping, think of planting and harvesting. It's, it's, It's the same idea there. And he applies it specifically to money. Now, if you've been around Christian circles long enough, you've heard a preacher um, talk about money as a seed. You've heard about sowing and reaping. And um, here, here's the problem with it is a lot of times it's presented as this is God's path to you getting more stuff. It's kind of presented as a selfishness thing. Like if you'll sow a Toyota, you will reap a Cadillac, like that kind of thing. I mean, has anyone ever, ever heard teaching like this before? Yeah. Oh, yeah, three of you. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's made sowing and reaping sound like we can get from God so we can live the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Then the world will know that God is true. That's kind of the idea there. And it puts a bad taste because, in our mouth because we automatically tune out anyone that talks about money as seed and, uh, and, and those kind of things. Here's the truth. Uh, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. If Satan can keep you from the truth of God's word, then you'll never get to experience it yourself. So if you're kind of turned off by people who have taught prosperity as something that was selfish or give to get, those type of things, if he can keep you from that truth, then he'll keep that truth from working in your life. Listen, there's been bad teaching on heaven. I still plan on going there. There's been bad teaching on healing, and yet I expect when I lay my hands on people for them to get healed. There's been bad teaching on prosperity, and I'm going after everything Jesus paid for. There's been bad teaching on sowing and reaping, but these verses still offer a truth that we need to grab hold of. Amen? Okay, so let me tell you what sowing and reaping is not, first of all. Um, Sowing and reaping is not a way to buy the blessings of God. I think a lot of people treat it as a divine uh, vending machine. I put in this offering, and now I sit back, and I wait wait to get some goodies from God. Um, Okay, what I'm about to tell you, I've heard all of these things. These are not exaggerations. These are word for word. 
if you will sow this $58 seed, then God will release to you these 58 different types of miracles in the Bible. If you will sow an Isaiah 53, 5 seed of $53.50, you will be healed. I was in a service one time where the guy said, if you will sow $1,000, I will release these eight covenant blessings over you. And then he began to tell the story of how he was the sole survivor in a plane crash. And if you gave it, I mean, this was live in the service. He says, if you give now, I will release that supernatural protection over you, but I'm only praying for the ones who give the $1,000. I was sitting on the front row, and I remember just folding my arms. I'm thinking, buddy, <laughs> anyway, it was not here. <laughs> I've seen promises of a Boaz anointing, a Jubilee anointing, favor, salvation of loved ones, creating a covenant with God, day of atonement scene, gratitude seed, honor seed of $57 for someone being in ministry for 57 years. Millions of people watch late-night televangelists. I'm not against late-night televangelists, but the ones that are selling the idea that God is getting ready to transfer riches into your hand, and all you need to do is sow a seed into my ministry. Make a financial vow. Give this gift into my ministry. Guys, that's just a bunch of garbage. It's embarrassing, and what it does is it pollutes the truth so that when we go to hear it, we're robbed from the truth of God's word. Listen, do not get me wrong. I believe in the power of giving. I believe that you can turn your money into a seed and reap a harvest. You, you'll see that here in just a second. However, giving to get is not the blueprint for wealth creation or prosperity. I'm going to say it again. Giving in order to get is not the blueprint for God's wealth and prosperity. Okay? You cannot buy the blessings of God. Just ask Simon the sorcerer. Sowing and reaping, Robert Morris, he's a pastor in Texas. I love this. He says, sowing and reaping is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's a lay-down-your-life challenge. Guys, it's, it, it makes absolutely no sense in the natural. The world says, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Right? It makes no sense. Why would you give away money in order to get more money? That makes no sense in the world. The prosperity gospel says that sowing and reaping is the way to get rich and live in luxury. The traditional church says it is wrong to give finances and expect any kind of return from God. All those are wrong. The Bible teaches we don't give to get. It is way more radical than that. Here's what it says. I want you to give so that you may get, so that you can give away even more. He says, I want you to give so that you can increase your harvest of righteousness. The context of righteousness there is generosity, as we'll see in just a second. And Paul's teaching in sowing and reaping here, this is not brand new knowledge. It was all throughout the scriptures. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with all the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs 19, 11. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. How many of you guys know that God's interest rates are pretty awesome? What I want you to see here is there is a reality that you step into when you take your money and you turn it into a seed. You're not just throwing pennies into a wishing well. Your money is literally going into your future to multiply so that when you get there, you have a harvest of righteousness. You can be more generous. Guys, this is just as supernatural as healing. He's just boiling it down so you use dollars. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, two whole chapters on giving. So I want, you, I want to read to you nine, uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 11 again. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. 
but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Because this isn't rocket science here. Like this isn't, like, like farmers, they're, they're not struggling to understand this thing. Get a little bit of seed, plant it, expect a little bit of crop. You see what I'm saying? Like this isn't like mind-blowing things here. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. How do most Christians give? Reluctantly or when they're coerced? If you will give $1,000 and you will have these blessings and... Right? You know why preachers do that? Because it works. Because you, you can apply pressure to people and you can get them to respond for a time. So I just say this. Don't punish the preachers who don't use coercion by withholding. Because you're only withholding from yourselves. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Guys, if this stuff's not true, John 3.16 is not true. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, he's going to appeal to a verse in Proverbs. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds, or some translations say, your righteousness will be remembered forever. It's important to recognize that generosity is actually an expression of righteousness. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. We'll cover this in another session, but you need to understand this. Everything that comes in your life is either bread or seed. Bread is the amount that God wants you to have that satisfies your needs and honors him. And so he says this in 1 Timothy 6, 17, that God gives us all things richly to enjoy. So part of you honoring him is providing a good life for your family. It's not about you know, having all every wish fulfilled, but it does not honor me if my kids are going around with shoes with holes in them. It's not a reflection on me as a good dad. It's not a good reflection on God as a good dad. If you're looking at the very least I can scrape by, you know, our stomachs are growling, but we're honoring. Are you guys okay here? You understand he's, he's a better dad than you are. You guys get that, right? So everything comes into you is either bread. This is for me to consume. Everything outside of that is seed. For me, I split the seed up into investing and into giving. We'll cover that in a whole other session. It's, it's really powerful. Giving opens up the windows of heaven, but it has to have something on earth to water. It's actually Malachi chapter 3. It's just the part that never gets quoted after it. In the same way, he will provide and, in, provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity. What's he saying? When you give, you will reap this harvest so that you can have even more generosity. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Paul's writing uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, and he begins by just stating the most obvious thing here. Let me read verse 6 again. Remember this, a farmer who only plants a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Listen, God is not appealing to your selfish desires to motivate you to give. He's, he's pulling back the curtain. Here's what he's doing. He's just saying, listen, guys, I'm pulling back the curtain and showing you when my son died, I don't know if you noticed in here, he called uh, giving a grace. Okay, so he's saying, listen, when my son died by grace, the kingdom of heaven is like, when it comes to finances, is like this fertile field of soil. And so it is not works for you to take your money and put, put seed into it. It becomes wisdom and faith. When a farmer has a fertile soil, it is not, it is not a great act of, it's not works for him to do that. It's the only thing that makes sense. So what God's doing here is he's pulling back the curtain and saying, guys, this is how it works in the kingdom. 
There's this fertile soil, and it's up to you to determine what kind of harvest you get. Big seed, big harvest. Little seed, little harvest. It has nothing to do with the amount of money. It has to do with what proportion it is to what you have. A farmer who goes out to plant his crop, he's not thinking, how little can I plant? What's the least amount I can do? He's thinking, how much seed can I possibly sow? Because he knows every seed that goes into a ground is going to produce a greater harvest than what he had. Can you imagine the farmer who goes out to the field, doesn't plant any seed, and then begins to pray for a harvest? Thank goodness no Christians do this, right? He's marching around the field seven times, blowing the shofar, calling in the harvest, but he hasn't put any seed in the field. He makes declarations daily over his coming crops. I declare that there will be an abundance of crops, I say unto thee. He calls in the corn and the wheat from the north to the south to the east to the west. At his church, they lay hands on him for a fire tunnel for an abundant crop anointing. Listen, I've been in services where people, uh, the preachers are hyping the people up and they're reaching their hands towards heaven and they're pulling back like they got these divine slot machine handles and they're yelling, money cometh, money cometh. I wanted to say, that ain't how it works, pal. You standing there screaming, money cometh, is not how it works. There has to be a seed that goes into the soil to produce a harvest. Can you imagine a farmer going up to the garden? Or just imagine an average man or woman going up to their garden and going up to the soil and saying, vegetables cometh, fruit cometh. You can hear the soil be like, <laughs> I'm, not understand if you, I'm not sure if you understand how this thing works, but you got to put in some seed in order to get the fruit of it. And yet so many Christians are like, Lord, supply my needs. He's like, I, I am supplying your needs so you can stay alive. God, I want more. I want an abundance. And this is how it works. There's this field, fertile soil. It's this thing called faith because it makes no sense in the natural for you to give away something and expect to get more back. But when you understand that it's not something like natural, it's something more like a seed becomes something spiritual. Jesus makes a similar statement that applies to more than just money, but it certainly includes money. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, will be put into your lap. Boy, oh boy, what are we going to do here? How many of you guys think this is a good measure of beans in here? This is, this is a good measure of seed in this thing. How many of you guys would agree this is a good measure of seed? You know what, you could probably fit some more in here if you were to push it down. We kind of shake it together here a little bit. You know what? If you get some more here, oh no, you're going to make me open this bag live. Okay. Thank you. My lovely assistant, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. You are a beast. Thank you. Let's give it up for the lovely assistant, Lindsay. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. This is the kind of blessing God wants to give you. He says he wants it to be running over. Now, how many are like, you know what? I like to receive a blessing like that. Okay? Let's read the next part of the verse. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, there was a spoon in here. I just lost it. I totally lost the spoon. Hold on. Here it is. Here, yeah. No, that's the shovel. 
This is why I don't use live animals in illustrations, because anything can go wrong here. So here's what a lot of Christians do, is they take it and they say, got my offering ready. Lord, here you go. Lord, supply my needs. Give me an abundance. And God's like, yeah, I will absolutely do that, but I need to borrow your spoon. For the measure that you use is the measure that I will give back to you. How many of you guys recognize this is also a measure? How many of you guys are getting nervous? I love our cleaning crew too much to do what I really want to do. I'm glad they didn't get poppy seeds. It would be impossible to get those out of here. Are you guys getting the point? In comparison to this whole bin, that spoon wasn't a whole lot. But you put the shovel in there, now you're starting to get a pretty good percentage of it. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So Jim, how much is a shovel full? How much is a spoonful? Well, there's a story in the Gospels where Jesus takes a small lunch from a boy and he uh, multiplies it to feed 5,000. That was everything the boy had. That was a shovel full. There was a, a lady in the Old Testament. She had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And that was everything she had. And when she gave it, it multiplied and fed her for years during a famine. That was a shovel full. There was another lady uh, in, the, in the New Testament. Jesus is watching these different people give. And she goes up and she gives two copper coins. They weren't worth very much. It sure, certainly didn't look like a whole bunch. But in comparison to what she had, it was a shovel full. There, that, there was uh, some other men there. They were giving out of their abundance. They were taking these gold coins and it sure looked like a whole bunch of money. And Jesus said they were giving out of their abundance. They weren't sacrificing. That was a spoonful. Here's what you, I want you to get a picture of what happens when you give. There's a story in the Old Testament of a man named Gideon, and he is getting ready, he is facing an impossible situation. But right before he does that, uh, the Lord comes, an angel of the Lord appears to him, and when he sees this angel, he, he offers, he makes an offering. He goes and he makes a loaf of bread, he puts it on the altar, the angel comes and touches it with a staff and, and, uh, and accepts, the, uh, accepts the offering. What was his offering? It was a loaf of bread. Now let's go down to, so remember, your your seed goes into your future to cause your breakthrough. Okay? So here he is. He has this encounter with the Lord. Out of the, out of the goodness of his heart, he comes and he offers a loaf of bread. Now let's fast forward a little bit later in Gideon's life. Here's what's going on. As he's facing an impossible task. He's got this little army of 300 people, and they're getting here to face tens of thousands of people. How many of you guys know that's not good odds? So Gideon starts getting in the natural, and he's like, hey, I'm getting a little nervous about this, God. And God's like, oh, you're nervous about the enemy. Why don't you go down to their camp at night without any weapons, just the two of you, you and your servant. God's plans do not make a lot of sense. I'm nervous. Oh, why don't you draw near to the enemy's camp without the army? So he goes down there, and he's listening outside of a tent, and this one guy says, I had a dream. The, guy in the, tent, the other guy in the tent says, well, let me hear about it. He says, I had this dream that there was this loaf of barley, and it was, running, it was rolling down the hill, and it came and wiped out our tents. The guy says, I know the interpretation. It's nothing less than the sword of the Lord and Gideon. He says, we're toast. He says, we are, we, we, we are completely undone. So they go, and they begin to spread that thing through the, the camp. So when Gideon comes and, and moves upon them, the Lord causes a panic. They all strike each other and die. What was it in the dream that he saw rolling down the hill? A loaf of bread. What was it that Gideon offered on the altar? I want you guys to see what happens. 
When you give in, in money as a seed, it goes into your future and it becomes the breakthrough that you need. When I sow a seed, it's not leaving my life. It's going into my future to multiply. Again, this isn't works. This isn't how you get your needs met. This isn't like, okay, God, you know, if I, if I you know, give 10% of my sandwich, will I have dinner? God, it says that, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor store in barns. Okay? This isn't you doing things so that God will feed you and keep you alive. Okay? This is you partnering with heaven so that you can become the kind of person who has all your needs met and more than enough to help other people accomplish their destiny as well. Every divine assignment God has for you, he wants to supply it, but he wants to do it in such abundance that you get to help other people accomplish theirs too. So here's God's part, 2 Corinthians 8 9, because there's God's part and our part. God's part, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty he could make you rich. We looked at this in another session. The word rich there is used of financial resources in every other place in the Bible. Uh, The word rich there is in the context of finances. And so Jesus became poor for three hours on the cross uh, so that you and I could be made rich through his poverty. What does that mean? I think it's pretty clear. It's just kind of offensive to a religious mind. That Jesus became poor so that we could actually become financially wealthy so that we could be generous to other people. Are we okay? That's God's part. God's like, before you were ever born, I decided to make this part of the cross. Saved, healed, delivered, prospered, and protected. That's part of it. And if you will give now, you can enjoy these five covenant blessings. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the way you enjoy the covenant blessings is by grace through faith. Grace was God's part. Here's the next one, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and 10. And God is able to make all grace abound you, context, this is finances, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That's God's part. God part God's part is he gives you bread to eat, and some of that is seed. And some of you are saying, well, I don't have any seed to sow. Well, that means you're not a sower because he says he gives seed to the sower. Like, Jim, I don't have any money. Well, there's a reason you don't have any money. You're not cooperating with the kingdom, and you're just like a bird barely getting your needs met. You need to determine in your heart, God, I want to step out of just being an eater, and I want to be a sower. I want to become somebody who partners with it. You don't get blessed based on what you will do in some fantasy future situation. If I close this business deal, then I'm going to become a big giver. A farmer doesn't say, listen, when this crop comes in, then I'll start sowing. It's like, no, no, you got that backwards. Those, listen, guys, I'm telling you the truth because we're friends, all right? Those of you who can afford to give the least are the ones who need to give the most. I'm not taking up a second offering. I'm telling you the truth. If you do not step into this thing, you will not break that spirit of poverty over your life. This works in Africa. This works in impoverished parts of Mexico. It works in Columbus. God's part is he provides the bread and the seed and the, and the fertile soil of the kingdom of God. Our part, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Again, giving does not buy the blessings of God, but it opens a door to the blessings that are already ours in Christ. I want you to picture when you turn on a water faucet, okay? 
When you turn on a water faucet, it does not make the water company appear, and all of a sudden the pipes appear, and all of a sudden the sink, and all of a sudden the faucet appears. That stuff was already there the whole time. You just made hold of it. When you give, it does not suddenly, you know, God's heart begins to warm towards you. And he said, no, listen, he said it was by grace that he did these things. Before you were ever born, when Jesus died on the cross, he provided all these things. Your giving simply turns on the faucet to what was already there the whole time. I'm sorry, I've got seed dust all over my hands now. That's a good word, gang. Imagine the same farmer standing in the field waiting for a crop to come in that he's never planted a seed. I've heard so many believers say pretty much the same thing. If God will give me a raise, if God will give me more money, then I will give. Here's what the Bible says. If you're faithful with what you have, it will increase and he will put you charge over more. If you want to be in charge of more resources, you're going to have to be faithful with what you have in your hand right now. And part of that means you're going to have to set aside some of it for seed. How much is bread? How much is seed? We'll look at that a whole other session. Yeah, we'll stop there. God adds a promise about that seed here. I'm, gonna, I'm circling in for a landing here. God will supply, verse 10, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. God will supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I've hit on this a couple times, but increase the fruits of your righteousness. This means he's going to multiply your kingdom influence. You're going to give so that you can get, so you can give away even more. And it will increase your ability to be even more generous. But here's something interesting that happens. So, so we give, we get, we give away even more. But I want you to see the effect that this has. This has a ripple effect on the world here. You guys ready for this? Verses 11 through 13. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. I want you to look at the effect your giving has on other people. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. He's getting ready to take up an offering for them. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. There's a verse in Proverbs that just captures this amazingly. Proverbs 25, 22 from the Passion Translation. Your surprising generosity will awaken the conscience of the unbeliever, and God will reward you with favor. Context of this proverb is an unbeliever here. Um, I want you to get this picture here. Our generosity actually wakens something on the inside of people who don't believe. I remember, um, so one of the things I do is whenever there's military in a restaurant, I anonymously buy their meal. So if they're in the military uniform, it doesn't matter how many they are, I just find a waitress and just say, hey, I'd like to pay for their meal anonymously. So I've done that for years. I've I've never served in the military. I just honor them. I'm so thankful for our men and women who serve in our military. Amen. We, We love them. We love you. And so uh, one time I was at a restaurant, and somehow the guy figured out it was me that gave. And so here he comes over in his uniform. He's this big, strapping uh, man. And, um, you know, he just, he looked tough, you know, just one of the, I think everyone looks tough in a military uniform. But anyway, so this guy really looked tough. So he comes over, and he's like, hey, are you the one who paid for my meal? I said, "Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, he said, why did you do that? And I said, listen, I just want to honor you guys for what you do. And um, we're just so thankful for your service. And, you know, our church prays for you guys just about every week. Yeah. Send the rain, Lord. So here's what this guy did. He, uh, he had this patch on his arm. And uh, he took it. He ripped the patch off of his arm, off of his military uniform. And he said, I want to give this to you. He says, I want to honor you for the way you've honored me. Boy, what happened there? Um, God awakened the conscience of somebody. 
I remember uh, we had a young man come to our door a little while ago, and he, uh, he was selling something. I don't, I don't want to get too many of the details. He was selling something, and so I kind of wasn't in the mood for it. You know how you're like in the middle of doing something. Someone comes to the door, so I'm kind of like just ready to shut the door in his face, and he gives me one of those one-liners, one of those objections like they, they train the salespeople in. I don't know about you. I love a good salesman. I just love being sold by somebody who like loves what they're doing. I'm like, all right, that was actually a pretty good answer. All right, so I'm like, come on in. So I end up buying what he's selling. And so as we're, uh, as we're sitting there, you know, he's got to call the manager and get my information. I'm realizing, oh, man, I got this guy sitting here in my, in my kitchen. This would be a great opportunity to talk about Jesus. And so somehow we end up talking about healing. I'm not sure how we end up talking about it. And, uh, and so he had a sports injury from some uh, martial arts stuff. And um, so something going on with his jaw, something going on with carpal tunnels. And we pray. I honestly, I can't remember how much breakthrough he got, but he got some breakthrough. So now he's kind of like, hmm. And so he, oh, before that, he's telling me, um, I've traveled the whole world. I don't believe in God. And I said, that's okay. He believes in you. What's going on with your body? We pray. He gets a breakthrough. So then he just begins opening up his life to me, telling me about this difficult situation he's having with a family member. Um, one of them had just overdosed on drugs. Uh, now he's going to have to take care of the kids. Uh, they didn't know how they were going to pay for the funeral. I said, how much does the funeral cost? He told me. I went into the next room, got out my check, checkbook, and wrote him a check. And uh, he's crying. He says, why are you doing this? I said, I said, man, I just feel the love of God for you, and he just wants you to, this is just a taste of what the Father feels about you. So he's crying, he's blown away, he's hugging me at this point. He's like, I still don't believe in God. I'm like, but that's okay, he believes in you. And so we exchanged uh, cell phone numbers, and I told Mary, I said, I think this might be weird, but I think I'm supposed to go to that funeral. And uh, she's like, okay, yeah, that is a little weird. You know, this, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the guy selling you cable, but yeah. And so, um, and so I text him, hope this doesn't sound weird, but... I feel like I'm supposed to come there. I just want to support you. And he's like, it doesn't sound weird at all. Please come. And so I show up in my, you know, my pastor suit. And uh, it, was a, it was a weird environment. So you kind of had like the baby mamas and the former baby daddies over here. And now they're with the new boyfriends and girlfriends. And they looked rough, you know, like tattoos on the face type of rough, you know. And if anyone has a tattoo on their face, I bless you. I'm like, I'm not trying to stereotype. But... Um, Anyway, and so they're like shouting back and forth. There's like almost a fight erupting. Um, like as I walk in there, and I'm like, oh man, I do not fit here. And so I just sat there and um, one by one, different people came up to me and they said, hey, are you, are you the one who gave money towards this funeral? And I was like, well, yeah, I am. Um, the next thing that I know, the, the guy who I gave the money to comes up, you know, he's introducing me as his pastor. This guy's my pastor. <laughs> oh Yeah. And now he's got, uh, kids are, his kids are coming up and sitting on my lap. Like, I've never met them before. Now I'm like Uncle Jim all of a sudden. I, I've got them on my lap. And just person after person is hugging me and crying. Guys, I didn't give thousands of dollars. I gave hundreds of dollars towards this thing. But it was enough to awaken the conscience of the unbeliever. I remember, uh, I'm, just, I'm just painting some pictures here for you guys. Because it's so much more than you just giving and getting more money. and all this. You need to see what your giving actually does. So I remember we were, um, this is within the last year, we're in a, an environment where most of the people were Christians, but there was this uh, one person who everybody knew was not serving God, addicted to drugs, you know, just a womanizer, just a lot of things in his life not going well. And so here he is with an environment of unfair Christians. And so um, I ended up sitting alone with this kid, and I, I just had always liked him, and I, uh, but I, you know, I would prophesy over them, but he didn't, over him, he didn't know it was prophecy. I'd prayed for him before, and he had gotten healed, and so he's, he's open to all spiritual things, and I think at this point in his life, he was into Buddhism or something, and, and taking certain drugs to get altered states of spiritual consciousness, all sorts of weird stuff. 
And so, um, so somehow I'm sitting alone with them, and everyone in the family sees that I'm alone with them, and they all leave. Like, oh, no, Jim's alone with this guy. What's going to happen? I'm like, oh, my gosh. So he's trying to, like, debate me on a philosophical level, and I could see where he was trying to trap me with some questions. And so I just answered him with some questions, and so he could see he wasn't getting anywhere. And um, so he's telling me all, you know, I mean, he, he was really a brilliant kid. He's he'd written, like, songs about his cigarettes as if they were, like, his girlfriends and all sorts of, like, like he was really creative. He was really a neat kid, but, you know, just, you know, just messed up. And he just needs the Lord. And so he, uh, so we're talking, and um, so he's like, well, what's your church like? And so I shared a couple healing testimonies. Here's what you need to understand about healing testimonies. Unbelievers do not have a grid for it. I'm not sure if you've noticed it. Like, you'll tell some testimony, you're expecting them to fall on their face and be like, surely God is among you, this is amazing. What do they do? They're like, hmm. Like, like, like most, like 90% of the time, they're not impressed by it because it's like you're speaking a foreign language to them. They just have no grid for it. And so he's like, oh, that's interesting. And they said, what else? And so this is right about the time we had um, bought the building uh, for the Fresh Start Now project. And so, um, so that for those of you who don't know, that was a project where we bought a nursing home. We're partnering with some, uh, another ministry. We're going to turn it into a boy's home. It's going to be extended, a kind of an extended family model for the broken foster care system. We just got that five-bedroom house donated, and we're right in the middle of putting a contract on the Normandy projects for, to help girls coming out of human trafficking, all that good stuff. If you could have seen the look on this guy's face, he begins to tear up when I tell him about the good we were doing in the city with our money. And he begins to cry and he says, now I know you're a real Christian. It wasn't the stories of tumors dissolving, of stage four cancer being healed, of broken bones resetting, of mental retardation being healed. Didn't impress him, did not have a grid for it. And yet when I shared about what we were doing with the money in our city, I'm not sure if you guys realize, we gave away a quarter of a million dollars just last fall. You know what? You know what that is? That's a lot of seed. That's a lot of seed. And I'm not going to dig up and doubt what we planted in faith. Your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience and God will reward you with favor. That's what I'm talking about, people. So how do I turn my money into a seed? Real quick. You're going to wrap it in expectation. It's bursting with joy, sown in tears. Rapid in expectation, uh, Romans 14.23 says, Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. No seed, no sower sows a seed without an expectation of harvest. And yet many Christians give without an expectation of harvest. Well, is the tithe seed? Is this seed? Listen, to me, it's all seed. <laughs> if I'm giving it into the heavenly realm, I'm expecting a return on that thing. I just keep it simple. It just works for me. Wrapped in expectation, bursting with joy, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, for, the Lord love, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And uh, the last thing, sown in tears. I think I just did these out of order. Sorry for the people. Sown in tears. Here's a picture in the Old Testament, Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Those who sow their seeds with tears will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing with a harvest of overflowing. And so when you get that, when you get a, an amount of money that you're wanting to give, whether it's every week, every paycheck, every time you get a bonus, I mean, different people give different ways. But I, when I give, I, I literally slow myself down and I wrap it in expectation. Lord, I just thank you that I'm sowing this thing into a future harvest. It's bursting with joy. See, the... Uh, the amount that requires faith is probably going to raise the amount. The amount that's going to let you stay joyful is probably going to lower the amount. <laughs> Let's just be honest. So it's probably somewhere in there, and then you sow it in tears. It's a picture of intercession. It's a picture of those Old Testament saints coming before the Lord with their seed, and they would sow it praying over them because they were completely dependent upon God and the rain for it to become a harvest.
Is that good, guys? All right. Let's stand for closing prayer. I want to bless you guys. Hey guys, I, I don't know how else to say it. I beg you to not just let this be a good teaching. I'm not saying, I didn't teach this because we need more money. Most people start messages on finances with this message. Give and it will be given to you. And I just, I don't believe you can step into this unless you take care of knowing that God's the owner, I'm his money manager, nobody can take better care of me than dad. All the things we've been hitting week after week, I want those heart conditions to be right. So that stuff's broken off of you so that you can truly trust God. So when I'm sowing that money, it's just like a farmer. And so I want you to recognize we've, we've been building up to this, and I've, I've held off on giving for a while for a reason. But if we had a billion dollars a week coming in, I would teach the same message because you need it. It's not because we need it. And if you think I'm up here trying to manipulate to get an offering, I'd encourage you, don't give. Okay, it's just, it's, it's your, if, you're, if you're giving out of coercion or something like that, it's, it's probably not going to do you much good. Okay, right? and some of you may have a question like, well, hold on, I've been giving wrong for years. Here's the good news is God can redeem everything that you lost. Okay, so you can just say, Lord, I've done it wrong for years, and I, it just was a lack of understanding. Lord, forgive me, but I just call those things back in. So, Lord, I just bless your people. Lord, I bless your people that we would be ones who sow generously so that we could reap generously, so we could awaken the conscience of a city, so we could awaken the conscience of unbelievers, and that we would have favor on our lives. I bless your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our ministry teams are coming forward. They'll be the ones with tags on. If anyone would like to-